Welcome to No Instructions. I'm Bob. And I'm Josh. And I'm back. You're back in America. We're we're back. But I'm back. I was in England over the weekend. You know, when I got back, I went to customs, through customs, coming back into the U.S. Easiest customs experience ever. Where'd you fly back into? Uh, Atlanta. Okay. But I'll get to that. I was in England last weekend for Maker Central. And I saw several people who listen and watch this show, and they were super awesome uh, and very said some very nice things about us recording this show. And are okay. glad that we're doing it. Lots of people said to tell you hi. Hello. <laughs> I said not, it in their native tongue. Not all of them were British, but no. some of them were. Uh, what other nationalities did you did you meet? I mean, it was in Europe, lots. so I imagine, but like. So uh, I, when I flew there, I went through Paris. So it was just in the. Charles de Gaulle. Charles de Gaulle. And I met a guy. I met, well, I got recognized twice in Paris, which nice. is kind of weird. But one of them was going to uh, Maker Central. Cool. Guy named Fabian, and so a fun name. he like was. Name. We were getting on the flight at the same time, and he came over and held up his phone. He was like, "Is this you?" <laughs> and I said, "Yes, it is." So we started talking. Super nice guy. Uh, we didn't sit next to each other, but we talked before. We rode the bus over to the plane. After we got off the plane, we at the NEC. Uh, we met up, went and got our baggage what together. Is the and NEC we, the, for those who weren't cool enough to attend. Yes, sorry. Well, use your short. I'll get there. So. It, basically, he and I uh, made our way all the way to the hotels and stuff, and okay. then I saw him several times over the weekend at Maker Central. He was there as the Triton Tools French ambassador, tool ambassador. Oh, we? <laughs> and uh, so we talked several times, got lots of pictures, and it was really cool. It was nice. It was interesting to meet somebody uh, in in a different place and end up at the same place mm-hmm. and have something in common and. Um, but anyway, he was French. I had a lot of unas- unanswered questions so far this episode. Got to get back to customs. Okay. You asked how many different uh, people Sorry. I met from different countries. I'll try to meter my enthusiasm. Um, the NEC is, I don't know what it stands for. National I was going to try to come up with something funny. Sure. How about National? National Event Center. The nice England chaps. Yes. I like that better. Uh, it is a gigantic convention center. It's actually not the biggest one I've ever been to, but the complex that it's in is gigantic because it's a convention center plus an airport plus a train station plus a mall. All in one, you get off of one and you can get to all the others. Hmm. It's very convenient. And so that's where I spent the weekend. Did not leave this complex of stuff. So it was the least British trip to England ever. Yeah, it was... It was like all no sheep, no pubs. Everything I saw was built in the last twenty years, thirty years, maybe. Oh, yeah. And last time we were there, we went into Birmingham, which is where Birmingham, mm-hmm. as they say, uh, which is the city that's actually probably thirty minutes away, twenty thirty minutes or something by cab. So it's not really very close, but it's the closest thing. And it's a really nice city, um, kind of a river that runs to the middle of it. And there's like houseboats all over the river and stuff, and. It was pretty cool. But that was 2019, I think, when we did that. Um, So I met Fabian from France. Mm -hmm. I met a bunch of Norwegians, and I don't know their names, but they were – there was like a whole group of them. They were pretty cool. Met some people from Finland, lots of Brits, um, several Italians. That you spoke fluently to? No. Okay. Don't think I spoke any Italian the entire time. I hung out with Jocko and his friend Mario the entire time. And I was telling you this yesterday before we recorded. I just, I, I mean, I've been learning Italian for, I have my streak on Duolingo mm-hmm. is 835 days. That's awesome. And that's, I missed a day. And before that 835 days, my streak was like 175 or something like that. Missed one day, but and they I will still, never forgive you. <laughs> I still do not. I actually thought about calling Duolingo and being like, "Can I pay for that day somehow?" <laughs> and just like, just have my thousand day streak. I have a note. You tell me you have a doctor's note. And you should yeah. be allowed to get credit for that day. Anyway, um, I yeah. So I've been like learning Italian for three years or so, and I still do not have the confidence to just. <laughs> 
talk to my friends who will be the most gracious of all the people that I will ever run into yeah. and try to speak Italian to. Um, anyway, but no, I didn't to answer your question. So I met lots of different uh, people from lots of different countries. I stayed within a square mile the entire time I was <laughs> there. I left on a Thursday. I got back on a Tuesday morning at like 2 a.m., so it was a very quick trip. Going all the way back to the customs thing, <laughs> the reason I started saying all of this 10 minutes ago was I went to the customs line, and um, I was tired from the last flight, which was not great. And so I'm going through the customs, and um, <laughs> the guy's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, yeah, I'm all right, man. How are you? <laughs> he goes, where are you coming from? I said, I was in England for the weekend. For the weekend? Yeah. I was just there for work. He was like, that's a really long time, long travel for a weekend trip. Why did you do that? And then I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, this is, uh, now he's starting to question, like, I was like, oh, there's a conference. I was there for the I weekend. I don't have to answer that without a warrant and yeah. just run. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, he was nice, but he's, he kind of, you know, you can tell a shift in, like, any sort of officer, if they're questioning about something, you can tell when they go, well, no, wait a second. Something doesn't add up. And so he he kind of did that little shift, and he was like, so why were you there? I was like, oh, I was there for a conference for the Not weekend. terrorism. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, how much money do you have on you? And I said, zero dollars. He was like, all right, you can go. <laughs> and just walked in there because I didn't have any money. Yeah, you have to declare, I think it's like $10,000. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I didn't even change any money this time at all. Uh, I touched no cash the entire time I was there, which was, I mean, that's the way that Europe is going anyway. Yeah. But the last time we were there, it was still, you know, I wanted to have some cash on hand just in case. And um, so I changed a little bit. But this time it was all with the card, you know, it's all touchless, everything. Like you cannot give them your card mm. over there. It's you – like they'll hand you the, the little machine. At a, we went to this restaurant. Yeah. And she came over with the little machine and she held it out. And I'm I'm used to like – I'm going to hold this while you stick the card in and, you know, do the thing. Right. And she kind of was just like – Forcing it to me, like I want to let go of this machine. Like, take this. So yeah, she made so, me take it and like sit down with it. She walked away, and so I had a little thing. And I had to tap the card and wait for the receipt to come out and all that stuff. So eating at a strange. restaurant in Europe, how we would normally give our method of payment to the waitress, and she just walks off with it. Like they do not do that in Europe yeah, right, at all. Right, that's super foreign and kind of scary. And I remember the um, the credit cards with the chips in them that are just ubiquitous now here in the states. Like they started in Europe. Mm-hmm. And I remember I tried to use my swipe card, and they were like, use a chip. And I'm like, I don't have a chip. And they're like, what do you mean you don't have a chip? And I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and then coming back to the States, I finally got like a new debit card or something. that had a chip in it yeah. that I couldn't use anywhere. But I was like, oh, look, I, that one person in uh, Croatia could not be mad at me anymore because now I have a chip <laughs> in my card. Yeah. So I um, <laughs> people are going to be think I'm kind of dumb for this. Guess what I ate four times. Chicken nuggets? While I was in England over the course of five days. I'm going to say chicken nuggets. No. No? Five guys. <laughs> you ate five guys four times? I ate five guys four times. You couldn't You couldn't squeak in, in an extra days. time? I probably could have. Okay. But I felt like a cow. I felt like I was turning yeah. into beef. It was so much. But like we don't have a five guys here, so they don't understand how no. much of a delicacy that. And they don't have small. one where Jocko lives either. And mm. he was like, I want five guys. And so we went to, <laughs> we went to a chicken place when I first got there um, and got some like curry chicken stuff. And then uh, we're sitting there and he's not eating. And I'm like, you're not going to get any food? He's no, I want five guys. He's like, he's all, he's all quiet. He always wears sunglasses. So he always looks kind of mysterious. He's just like, I want five guys. And it was right upstairs. I'm like, there's a five guys here? Like what in the world? So I ate a piece of chicken and then I went up and got a burger nice, and a milkshake. <laughs> for dessert. You yep. got a hamburger for dessert. And then later on that day, he was like, kind of leaned over and he was like, five guys. So we went to five guys again. Nice. And then the next day and then the next day. And if, the second day I was like, well, this time I'll just get a single patty burger. For the lunch. Small, the small. Not the single regular. patty. So then at for dinner, I can also get a single patty. And that's basically like going one time. So I had six patties overall. Is that right? I don't know. Whatever. My burger math is off. Yeah, you need to be better at your but burger I, math. Like six patties and three milkshakes and no running <laughs> over the course of – although I did walk an awful lot. I imagine. Um, but yeah, we, we <laughs> ate a lot of five guys. And it just became a joke. 
you know, because every time somebody was not doing something else, they would just go, five guys? <laughs> um, yeah, so we did that a lot. We hung out, uh, hung out with Jocko a lot and Jimmy and Derek, uh, kind of the, and Mario, his friend. Um, we all were kind of a, a group that ran around a lot together. Got to see a lot of different people uh, from the States that I hadn't seen in a while. A lot of people from the UK, other creators and stuff. And Did anybody cool. stand out that would also listen to the show that would be giddy if you said their name? Um, there would probably be a few people that I don't know their names. Not to put you on the spot because, I mean, any of the maker yeah. fairs that we go to, right? I forgot that a guy talking to me, I forgot that his name was Josh. Hmm. So I would not be the person to answer that question, so I throw it out to you. I mean, I, there were a lot of people that you know talked about this show specifically, and I I don't remember their names. Yeah, you know, there's uh, people that I it's met a huge once conference. Or, yeah, and, and honestly, it wasn't as big as it had been in previous years, but it was hmm. still still big. I mean, I think they were expecting like seven thousand people over the course of two days. I don't know if that actually happened or not. Yeah, it was in a bigger space, so there was more room. Uh, I think there were fewer people than there were the last time. So, you know, it didn't feel hectic or cramped or anything like that. So it was nice. Did the previous ones feel that way? Yes. Okay. Uh, The last one was the first, well, I mean, that show, I've been to it three times now. Those first two were the first experiences I've ever had where I stopped, somebody came over to talk to me and I would stop and talk to them. And then when I was done talking to them, they would step aside and there was somebody right behind them. Hmm. And the British apparently are really good at like naturally cueing. And so... After this happened to most of us, not just me, but most creators who were there, you would talk to somebody and they'd step aside. And then there's a, a line of 50 or 100 people just in line. Just in, keep in, going. In, you're not like at a stand or at a, anything. You're just there. So this time it was not that. There were never more than a few people around waiting to be talked to. But it was a consistent like take a few steps, walk over to a table – and then somebody else would come over. So it was it was nice. Yeah. It was more relaxed. And were you able to have conversations with people? Rather yeah. Than, okay. Yeah. Now, all right. It's name drop time. Who who did you get to? Who did you get to geek out and see? Uh, hung out with Bobby Duke and his wife for just a little bit. When they Bobby first Duke got is there. one of the nicest people. Yeah. His wife's great too. I've yeah. Like before Bobby Duke yeah. became like Internet Bobby Duke, he was just like a kind person. Yeah. Still is a kind person, and he has a, a Volkswagen Bug. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. He has a bug, and we talked about that in other vehicles and stuff for a little bit. But um, got to see him. Got to see Colin Furs for just a little bit. He he was not there in a fish, official capacity. He was just, like, there with his kids and wife yeah. and walking around. And so everybody swarming him the whole time. So. But uh, we took a couple of pictures and talked for a few minutes. It was really funny because I was kind of asking him about, you know, what was going on and what was new. And he was like, man, tunnel. Yeah. Just tunnel all the time. Tunnel. That's all I do is tunnel. No matter what else I do, everybody just wants to know about the tunnel. <laughs> I don't know why people are so interested in digging. <laughs> right. It's really fun. You and I talked about that, yeah. how it's kind of funny that you know, the amount of time he invests in a single project, like up front. Yeah. He did a lot of work, like year, a couple years or a year and a half worth of work before the first video came out about the tunnel. And so to just decide my life is going to be underground in a hole surrounded by dirt and steel. Yeah. For the next however many years. That's what this channel is now. Yeah. But he said that he really loves it. He said he and Rick are having Mm -hmm. a blast. Just they dig and they talk and they hang out and there's no pressure of like – there's not the same – I would imagine – he didn't say this, but I would imagine that there's not the same amount of like engineering – you know, churn and stuff that's going on in your head to like solve problems and figure out how to do the thing all, as you do all the time. I think it's the just, first section they kind of figured it out, and yeah, it's just like repeating it's just that section. Labor yeah. at, after that, so he said they're really enjoying just you know just going, getting it done, which is kind of cool. And uh, also found out that he still does everything himself. What do you mean everything? Filming, editing, everything. Editing, he is everything. He had somebody edit a little bit. Uh, at one point, he was trying it out, didn't like it. Still doing it all himself, hmm. which is bananas to me. But you know, good for him if he can. That's great. Uh, so saw him a little bit. Saw James Bruton at a distance. 
I just got to wave and say hi. Have you met James Bruton before? Do you mm-hmm. have an existing yeah. relationship with him? Yeah, last uh, Maker Central, we were on a panel together, and we spent some time ah, talking cool. and stuff. Um, James Bruton blows my mind. Yeah. I remember I saw James Bruton when he was making the BB-8 series. And the first one, because he did a couple of them. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to figure out how to make the ball roll with the head like attached to the top and just like be a working functional BB-8. And I remember this is outstanding and this is so crazy. And now he's making like the Boston Dynamics dog. Yeah, from he's, scratch. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm going to make this mechanism and the mechanism's going to spin. And this is a doctoral thesis on engineering components. And I'm going to make them on my 3D printer from Lulzbot. And yeah. like he just does it in a video. And he like bree- seems to breeze through the idea. So, so crazy. I talked to him about that stuff last time I saw him and was just like, how how are you going to keep – How I mean, what what's the end goal? Like how are you going to keep building bigger, crazier, he more dynamic does. things? And he was like – it's been a long time. But he said something to the effect of uh, people don't actually care about how it's made that much. They don't. They don't have the base knowledge of. I guess that's why he can breeze through all that stuff. Exactly, like it doesn't really matter. They don't have the physics understanding, the electronical, electronical, electronic, the uh, code, all of those. Yeah. Base level things necessarily. Some people have. One. They just want to see the Hulkbuster. They want to see it work. Yeah. Yeah. So he can breeze over a lot of those things, and just get to the parts that. I, I guess, mean that that's Mark Rober's stance as well. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So. But to us, that's the fun part. Exactly. Yeah. It's just a different. It's a different goal, different way to go about it. Um, Seems faster, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm Bob, and I like to make stuff. Check that thing out. <laughs> look, at, look what I made. Okay, bye. <laughs> See you next time. Um, so I just saw him at a distance. Um, <clears throat> I'm blanking on this guy's name. Ivan. I, Ivan Miranda? Yes. Yes. So we talked a bit. I love that guy's videos. Uh, he has the coolest accent. Yeah. <laughs> Going we, to make we, a tank for my 3D printer. <laughs> <laughs> he's really cool. He's, he's I met him la- briefly last time and uh, through um, James, but didn't really get to talk to him. This time, I actually got to have a conversation with him and talk about what all he's doing. And he's making a bigger something. A bigger tank? A bigger tank or a bigger 3D, 3D printer? I think a bigger 3D printer than the gigantic one that's like yeah. room size. That yeah, it's like a queen size right. bed. Yeah. I think he's making a They just one. made from scratch. And he made a CNC. It was the same thing, just yeah. like from 3D printed parts. Yeah. So um, he was <laughs> he was saying that he got a – a while back, got a filament sponsorship with mm-hmm. some company that's like his specific red color. Yep. But And they were like, yeah, we'll just give you whatever you want. that's run out. But yep. He's bankrupt that he, company. He probably took that company into the ground. He was Man. like, they had no idea how much, you know, I, I go through. Um, but anyway, it's fun talking to him. Let's see who else did I see. Oh, next to James's booth was Matt Denton. Do you know who Matt Denton is? I do not. This is cool. So Matt Denton uh, is one of the original creators and puppeteers of BB-8. Oh, cool. You've probably seen his work actually on like Tested and stuff. Do you remember the big hexapod Thing is it no mantis? That's what it's called. Mm-hmm. He made that. The, the like spirals and like rolls around on itself. No, no, no. This is a big like. Uh, it's a hexapod robot that you can sit in. Oh, is it the white one? No, I think it's. I don't know. The one that was at Maker Fair? No, 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 no. This is okay. a black one. It looks like a giant spider, like the size of a room. Okay. And you can get in it and steer it and walk it around. He made that, and he's uh, recently been doing. Hugely scaled up, like ten thousand uh, percent Lego Technic pieces, three D printed, and wow. makes vehicles out of them. That sounds cool. So he he had very uncomfortable. He had vehicles. several of them there. Cool. He had a go kart that he can ride, that is very fast. Hmm. He showed videos of it, and it's all made out of you know like a like, let me show a brick, a two by one by two. Which I don't even have any. Those are hard to find on the spot. That's weird. <laughs> um, this this size, not not really this size, but yeah. from that perspective, yep. right? That is this big, and so the holes in the Technic bricks are, you know, bigger than my eyes. They're like, like size of an Oreo. Yeah. Okay. And so this go kart 
just looks like a tiny little Lego model scaled up, but it's fully working. It's got like battery charge. It's got um, drift wheels that he can oh, that's cool. attach to the back of it. Entirely 3D printed except for two parts. So there was a polycarbonate front axle and a steel back axle, I think. But everything else wow. is printed. And like three or four parts are glued. Everything else is snap fit. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Talk about tolerance. Yeah. I mean, like the entire thing. You can sit on it, drift in it. And still keep and that And still take fit. it apart. Wow. So he told me all about that. And then I knew he was a BB-8 person. So I was like, all right, I, I got it. And it was cool. It was very cool. He didn't know who I was. I really liked that. Because yeah. I just, as a person, was just like, hey, man, this is awesome. Yeah. Tell me about this. Like, don't be distracted by who's asking you a question. Tell me about what you do. And that was really awesome because he went into all the Lego stuff and was talking about the 3D printers. And, um, and I was like, all right, you got to tell me about BB-8. And so he was saying stuff that I can't repeat because he told me a bunch of interesting things that I need to keep quiet. But, um, you know, he is one of the operators now for when he's on the red carpet and stuff. He's the yeah. guy off screen with a remote. And hmm. um, they made several for the movies the different remote ones and the ones that are puppeteered. There's a bunch of different versions for different situations. Okay. And so, you know, they developed him and a team of people. It wasn't all him, but they developed the original one um, for on stage at Celebration, the first time they ever showed it, and then all the ones for the movies. And he's done some other stuff too, other Star Wars stuff. He still works for them. Um, he had a droid there that he was going to get out and show it to me but then he got distracted and I left and whatever. I didn't see it. But he had some other small droid, and I don't remember what it was from. But it was like a half-scale version of a Star hmm. Wars droid that he had fully functioning, but he had made it small. And he can't use, or he doesn't, intentionally doesn't use any of the Lucasfilm models for anything that he makes outside of Lucasfilm. Yeah. So he has to, you know, get files from Does he make his own private droids? Yeah, this whatever this droid was that he was telling me about was one of them. Oh, okay. And he has made some other ones, but he has to be careful not to use the files from work because mm -hmm. he, if they if he ever decided to sell it or give it away or whatever, he gets super sued. Yeah. Um, related to that, it, he was very cool. I wish I could have talked to him more, and if I ever get a chance to, I want to hang out with him. He's a really nice guy. Um, there was another guy, and I don't know his name. And if you're listening, I'm sorry. I don't even think you told me your name. So it's your fault. Probably on purpose. Uh, this guy was like, these two guys came up and they're talking and everything. And one of them is like, well, you know, I work in the film industry. I work for Star Wars and I'm working on a bunch of Star Wars stuff. And uh, it's kind of a bummer because I can't show anything I do on social media. <laughs> and so he's like going on. He's like, yeah, I worked on like the last four movies and, you know. I'm, I build props for Star Wars. That's cool. And I'm like, okay, you have to tell me something. Tell me anything. And he goes, well, there's there's a droid buddy coming up in one of the TV shows. And he told me, but I don't want to say it. Is it? And he made I'm not going to tell you. I'll tell you later. Okay. When we're not recording. Cause one of the upcoming TV shows. One of the – there's several. Right. And it's the, the buddy droid. And he – he built that. He, I guess, helped design it or something. I don't That's know. Pretty dope. Yeah. So it's interesting. Like the last time I was at, Universal how do you Central, apply for those jobs? I don't know. That needs to be a question that you ask these people whenever well, they get to secretly tell you. So the, the last time I was there, th this was in 2019, or maybe it was the first time. I don't know. Whatever. This guy came up and he said he was very grateful. He was like, "I all the stuff that you all build, it's it means so much to me, and you have no idea the impact it's had." And I'm like, "Well, that's awesome." What do you do? And he said, six months ago, I didn't make anything. And now I'm a prop builder on Game of Thrones. And no, I was like, just Game what? Of Thrones. He goes, yeah. I started watching I Like to Make Step videos and started making props. And I went and applied for a job. And now I'm one of the lead prop designers of Game of Thrones. I'm like, oh, my gosh, man. Like, that's awesome. That's so cool. That is so cool. So stuff like that, I mean – you know, taking a trip across the pond for a weekend is annoying and exhausting and all of that stuff. Things like that and people coming up and saying like – I mean there were several other things that were probably told in confidence. So I don't want to spill them here. But very 
impactful to me yeah. because of the impact on somebody else's life. Not just, I like what you do, not just it's neato and I'm inspired to make some stuff, yeah. but like change, change, change yeah. my marriage, save my life kind of I got one things. of those emails this morning. Whew. It's crazy. So, uh, not that, and not that stuff like that, those types of conversations are necessary to continue doing what we do or anything, but that's the kind of stuff that always catches me off guard and really just makes me kind of step back and look at like how, I mean, we're sitting here talking about nothing building Lego sets, Yeah. but this forum, this thing that we have that we get to do has potential to have an impact on somebody. And that's. It's just super cool. The people of the world, you want to make Bob cry, that's how you make Bob cry. <laughs> Absolutely. It doesn't take much, to be <laughs> fair. But, yeah. Um, let's see. Who else did I see? Peter Brown. I was on a, on a panel with Peter Brown. Peter is such a cool guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and his wife were going to hang out and tour and stuff after. Mm-hmm. Good for them. Saw Tim Sway. Saw, oh man, kind of a blur at this point. I saw a lot of, I saw April, got to talk to April Wilkerson for a while. It's good to see her as always. And other people, I don't know. They filmed in the second season <laughs> of her show? Uh, I don't know, she didn't say anything about uh, it. I remember she got dolled up in a similar fashion on Instagram one time. Probably, yeah, I I don't know. We didn't talk about it. Um, so it was, it was a good... It was good to be there, like I've said several different times, like traveling, getting there is, is eh, but being there was good. Yeah. And being home was even better, so. It, it's weird, like, traveling away from the family. Um, you know, in those moments when your kids are being frustrating or stuff's just busy or whatever, it it's very easy to get, to have that feeling of, man, I wish I could just get away for a couple of days. And, and that's necessary. I mean, that's a good thing to do. But every time that I do, I get about a day or day and a half into it. And I'm like, yep. yeah. I, need I miss to, my people. I need to be back. It's yeah. frustrating and exhausting Probably as Probably got to ground be. somebody when I'm there, yeah. but I want to I be there with Yeah, yeah. I would rather be there and be a little bit frustrated than not be there, you know, for any extended amount of time. So it's nice to be home. And it was the first time coming back from a trip having dogs again after a really long time. Goodness gracious. You would have <laughs> thought that I had been gone for several years. It was yep. really funny. And we got home at about 2 o'clock in the morning, 2.30, something like that. And so the dogs have been well asleep for a while. Totally zonked on the couch. My mom is there hanging out with the kids because Jenny came to get me. And I came in and... It was just like a tornado of black dogs. Most of my dogs are black. <laughs> it's just like a tornado of slobber and fur, and it was pretty great. It was nice to come home to that. That's what it's like living with a boxer. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> I thought you were going to make a joke about your wife. Oh, no. But, you know. Anyway. Um, yeah, so it was a good trip, and that's what I did this weekend. What did you do this weekend? I don't remember. <laughs> well... Yours took a lot less time than mine did. Yeah. What the heck did we do? Oh, I figured out how to get rid of the shadow box. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell I me invented a teleportation machine. <laughs> wow. Your weekend was cooler than yeah, my weekend. Yeah, it was pretty. I mean, it wasn't that hard. <laughs> um, but I have to I have to make another crate, and I have upped my crate game mm. since we last spoke. And something you said was like, oh, it doesn't need to move at all. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't need to move. So I'm going to lock it down mm-hmm. uh, with as many pieces of wood, but up in against the thing with like some paper in the middle, so the finish doesn't rub off. It's in a coffin now. Mm. It's not even a crate; like it cannot move at all. But the lid doesn't fit. The lid doesn't. Yeah. fit To the crate? Because math. Oh. You know. Yeah, math always gets in the way. I think. Stupid math. So like I I made the bottom, and the bottom was. 48 inches long by 27, whatever, something. So it's bigger than a project panel because the thing is that big. And then I attached the sidewalls to the outside of that piece, not on top of the piece. Mm. And so the corresponding top that was the same size as the bottom no longer fits because those pieces are on the outside. Just caulk it all around. I thought about that. I was like, I just put a bunch (laughs) of tape. Yeah. Uh, Because I want the top to be removable because I want her to be able to see it. 
So the deal is I was going to have to drive out to uh, Washington where she lived. That's no longer the case. Hmm. She is in Virginia at her daughter's school for something. And she's like, oh, if you can just meet me halfway between where we live and Virginia, she will take ownership of it. And then whenever they move their daughter out of wherever she's going to school, the movers that they were going to hire will just bring it back hmm. to Washington for them. I'm like, okay, if that's what you want, then great. So Tiff and the kids um, tomorrow – morning are going to go drive to halfway between here and there mm. and deliver it and then I shall be done with it. Wow. And you get like the house to yourself for a day or two, huh? No, they're driving there in the morning and driving back. It's only like a oh. three hour drive. Oh, yeah, it's halfway. Yeah, it's not too far. Yeah. Gotcha. But that does mean that she uh, will miss our company outing tomorrow. Yeah. So our company outing is going to see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Yeah. Which is we wanted cool. to have a like a couple's day date for everyone in the company. <laughs> yeah. Which was a great idea until about half of the company couldn't bring their, yeah. their date. And then my kids are out of school, so they're all coming. <laughs> so, yeah. And I mean, it was a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe someday we'll do that. So but. my family is going to go deliver this box for me, and then it will be gone. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be actually able to make things in my shop again without this gigantic thing in the way. Yeah. Which would be cool. So since you you all talked about the possibility of driving cross-country, had your brain started going that way as far as building up like a trip? Or uh, is it just like, okay, yeah, we don't have to do that now? I don't know. Is everything all right or do we need to stop? I don't know. I can't, the computer just went. Anthony's went. computer stopped in that. Records all the stuff. Okay, we're back. Um, like we talked about, like going on a on a like a family vacation, yeah. like that, like out as a, like to a destination rather than just going back to where we're from. Mm-hmm. Um, was a really like uh, appealing thing. I want to go do that. I want to go camping in Yellowstone. I want to go out and see all that. But this trip wouldn't afforded that amount of time. And so, I want to do that. Yeah. Now but you don't have to get to Washington. Yeah, now I don't have to go that far. Right. I don't have to have this burden thing. I can now focus on just that. And so that I really want to do. My kids really enjoy camping. They've been camping with us a couple times. Uh, I want to do it. I don't know when we're going to do it. Yeah. But I want to do it. And now I don't have to like shoehorn in a family vacation with this frustrating thing. So we're going to. In July, we're going to go back down to Florida. Because it took us a minute. We realized that we had not been back to where we were from on the beach in Florida in several years during the summer. We mm. always go for Thanksgiving, but we never oh, go right. when it's nice during the summertime. And <laughs> Nice. <laughs> it's, it's not nice in Florida. In the summer, it's like 300 degrees and 900% humidity. But you know it's what not it's not <laughs> doing? It's not snowing. Uh, that's true. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call it nice. I think hot. It's nice. Yeah, yeah, it's hot, but I go to the beach. Around. Yeah. I like it. It makes me happy. Oh, good. Uh, we're going to go deep sea fishing. Mm. Yep. And I'm going to catch fish, and I'm going to eat it. <laughs> that makes me happy, too. <laughs> cool. So that I'm pretty stoked about. Yeah. And so I'm trying to, like, I was talking to my kids because it's my oldest son's birthday the day before mine. And if you are a parent and you have a child's birthday that is anywhere near yours, you don't get a birthday anymore. Mm-hmm. It's all about their birthday. How many Paw Patrol plates and how many whatever things, hot dogs you have to grill for a pool party. And, like, that's a a super first world problem. But I miss my birthday and what I want to do. And so he's like, oh, for my birthday, I want to do this. And then the day on my birthday, can we go do this? I'm like, brother, we're not going to be here. We're going to be celebrating my birthday this year. And you get to come along. Mm. So, nana nana boo boo. <laughs> Stick your head and doo doo. Well, That's all my right. Parenting style. Yeah, my uh, dad and my sister have the same birthday. Oh, and I don't never talked to my dad about it, but I don't think it was ever a problem. You mm. know, it was just like I don't remember ever celebrating. Granted, she's older than me, so I just might not have had the perspective. But I don't remember celebrating her birthday. It was always like a dual. You know, mm. it was just always the two of them. Like it's always about both of them. But. I had to have a dual birthday with my brother, whose birthday is a week after mine. 
like a couple times. Mm-hmm. And I remember there's this, I have a photo album, and there's this picture of the two of us at Burger King where we used to have our birthday because it was oh, the yeah. 80s. Yeah. And you just went to the fast food place. You got balloons and whatnot. And I was in my Ghostbusters jumpsuit. But even then, like, I didn't look bummed, but I remember being bummed. Hmm. But, I mean, my parents were doing the best they could. But I remember, like, get your own birthday. <laughs> this is my day. Yeah. And then my oldest son was being born. And it was like, okay, you're pretty close to your due date. And it's getting pretty close to my day. So if you could just kind of get this ball rolling so we can have at least a little bit of separation. Yeah. She was having, like, contraction whatever is on the 4th of July, and we were in Belgium. I'm like, let's go to the hospital right now. <laughs> let's He's make the, born let's... on 4th of July in a foreign country, and they're not going to know the significance or care, but it's going to be great. And then it didn't happen. And then it just kept getting closer. I'm like, mm-mm, better back up. And I forgot he was born at, like, 9 or 10 <laughs> in the evening. And everybody's like, oh, mm-hmm. wouldn't it have been cool? I'm like, no, wouldn't it have been cool? A little turd get his own birthday. <laughs> I'm a selfish boy. It's my day. And then I remember some friends of ours made me a birthday cake that like, and they delivered it to the hospital room for me. I mean, and he ate it. He's like, kid. that's mine. <laughs> full, born with a full set of teeth, full head of hair, <laughs> liking cake. That's funny. Yeah. Two of my boys have, uh, their birthdays are about a week apart and I, they don't seem bothered by having a shared birthday party, but it always makes sense to have a single party yeah. rather than having all the people two. are there. I mean, yeah. Am I going to call them back like in three days to come back and do this all over again? Yeah. But I guess, you know, they're used to it. They haven't had the experience of having their own. I mean, they're only a couple of years apart, so they don't remember. So I guess, I guess it's just what you're used to. And you had enough years of being used to where your birthday was that yep. didn't have to share it with somebody. Um. I've remembered something that I didn't talk about from Maker Central, unrelated, switching gears. Uh, there was an Ecto-1. Yep. I like, saw. Like a full, I don't know if it's screen the accurate. Ghostbusters. Pretty accurate Ecto-1. Ambulance. And a whole bunch of Ghostbusters. Yeah. Uh, who were very excited to see me, which yeah. was kind of cool. So we took some pictures and I signed their, their license plate, their Ecto-1 license plate and stuff. That's cool. That's pretty neat. It wasn't their Ecto One. I think they had rented it for the day from like a, a prop place or like a. You can do that. I guess so. Because I asked him and he was like, "Oh, that's not mine. We just rented it." Where was prom time? Prom yeah, day, Josh Price, not knowing that I could rent an Ecto One. I would have been the and one of the coolest people that I would have known. <laughs> rolled up to prom uh, in an Ecto One. I would have been super cool to myself. Yeah, and that's it. Um, and then also the DeLorean that we're making. So Nick Zametti, mm-hmm. who is the the guy that started Maker Central, that runs Maker Central, he has his own YouTube channel where he does all sorts of crazy projects. A lot of wood turning, turning and stuff. And stuff. Yeah. yeah, Nick's a nice guy. He owns, he owns it. Owns a screen accurate DeLorean and Knight Rider. Oh man, both of those were his. And so, and I didn't realize this before. He has lots of tattoos on his arms, uh-huh. and I had never really paid attention to what they were. On his right arm, it is. Wrist to shoulder, back to the future. All the way around. Nice. Top to bottom, the whole thing. Like, I just, I, I don't even know what all's on there. I mean, I, I saw it. But there's big out-of-time plate, like where his watch would be. He has, like, all three versions of Biff around. <laughs> and, uh, like, the clock tower, I think. I don't, I don't remember all the things. But he really likes Back to the Future. And so I was asking him about the car. Or somebody else asked him if he built it. He was like, oh, no, 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 no. It was built by some name of some guy in Texas uh, to be screen screen accurate. Like, all the electronics work and everything. Cool. And then this guy sold it to him in the UK, and he brought – or maybe there was another owner in there, whatever. Uh, So he just bought it and had it brought over to the UK. I didn't ask him about Knight Rider, but it had all the computer and stuff in there too. I've got – Pictures from through the windows because I didn't know they were his. Otherwise, I would have been like, "Yeah, I Nick, saw a picture. Get of, me in those cars." Jimmy and Derek sitting in it. Yeah, and I was like, "You got to get in that car." I didn't know until after the whole thing was over and we were like hanging out that they were his. He sent me a picture. He was like, "Yeah, my cars are back in the driveway." And <laughs> this picture of his house with those two cars sitting back in his driveway. He got them home. And I'm like, "Pretty what? baller." So, yeah, where was that movie? There was a movie that had uh, – it was like an Adam Sandler type movie 
where these guys were playing like baseball or softball or something with like a little kid. And then um, John Lovitz was in it and like he was a big nerd and like bought all the stuff that he wanted. He had like an R2-D2 in his house. It was pretty much like that same kind of thing. Hmm. I don't remember that one. It had the guy who played Napoleon Dynamite in it and like the only other movie he was in. <laughs> I don't Bench know. Benchwarmers? Movie's called oh, Benchwarmers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I do remember that now. Got it. But I just pictured John Lovett's character in his like big crazy baller house with all this silly 80s stuff everywhere. Mm-hmm. That must be cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you ask him if you could have it when he dies? I didn't. I should have. I think we should probably do that more as a culture. <laughs> Not Just, that I, I mean, want you gone yeah, I mean, or anything. Yeah. I mean, don't take it that way. In but. the untimely event of your demise, you know, what you got going on with that uh, DeLorean? Just saying. <laughs> Did you notice? Are, have you built this yet? Yep. The grappling hook is the center for anybody watching. Whoa, which camera am I on here? The grappling hook is the center of the flux capacitor. Yeah. And it's not centered in the window. Yeah, and it should be should be down. I just tried a to move bit. the sticker, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Hmm. I'm on the uh, the gull wing door mechanism right now. Oop, and I broke it. Oop. This is such a cool set. This is a really cool set. I have to I have to be honest though. I'm kind of anxious to get it done because I want to build the Land Cruiser set that I got because it's remote control. Like I want to drive it around. Oh yeah, yeah. So, but we still have several bags. Lots of bags. Um. So you're going to go uh, next time? I, I don't know. Or can, uh, you know, we can just go in your stead. You don't feel like going. I mean, you can pay for a trip over there if you want to. I don't care. I, I would definitely go back if, <clears throat> excuse me, my throat is doing some weird things. If we could turn it into a, in a more extended trip, whether that's, I mean, first priority would be to take Jenny and for us to go visit people and, you know tour things that we haven't seen and stuff. If we can also shoot some videos while we're over there, that'd be awesome too. Yeah. But for the the weekend only quick trip, it's just it's too much travel. It's just too much. And you know the f- flight over there, it was three flights uh, to Atlanta, to Paris, to Birmingham, and the outer two were an hour and a half or something each. Not. Something, but the middle one was eight. Oh yeah, and then maybe eight and a half coming back, and that was faster than what they said it was going to be. They yeah. said it was going to be like nine and a half coming back, and it's just, I don't know, it's just too much. Um, when we lived over there to come back for like a Thanksgiving or some family vacation, people didn't understand how much of a like literal trek across the planet yeah. it was for us to come back, and there was one year where we didn't come back for a holiday. And I remember people got, like, vocally upset with us. Mm-hmm. And, like, you guys didn't spend the $1,200 that it takes to come hang <laughs> yeah. out with you. And, like, you lose a day traveling yeah. and, yeah. Your guts are all jacked up from, like, European to American food. And I remember it was just, all right, this is a nine-and-a-half-hour flight. Let's do it. We're either going to fly into New York or, or Dallas or Atlanta. I think mm. it was usually out of Brussels. You go to Dallas or Atlanta, sometimes New York. And uh, I I just remember, like, just gritting my teeth when people were like, oh, you guys came this time. Like, mm-hmm. What, have, have you come to my house? We're just going to leave the bill for the plane tickets right here yeah. in the middle of the table, and everybody can just put in their share. Yeah. Pass around an offering plate. There you go. <laughs> At dinner. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Your butts. <laughs> You're like, here, have some mashed potatoes. And then here's the offering plate right past it. And yeah. You just get a drink. Oh, yeah. That'd the exchange great. rate's pretty bad, so... You're going to need to double what you just put in. <laughs> yeah. I remember it, last time Maker Central was happening. Oops. Um, wrong piece. My wife and I talked about going. I don't remember why we didn't go. Probably because it was expensive. But we talked about making like a a little side trip uh, vacation while we were like in Europe. We were going to go to northern Scotland and just like go mm. like camping around, trotting around the highlands. Yeah. We were super excited about that. And I remember why. None of that happened. Life stuff, probably. But yeah, I mean, when you're when you're there, I completely agree with what you're saying. Like making it a weekend trip is kind of not fair to the travel experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great that you got to see everybody and everybody got to hang out, and it was really, it was a really great experience uh, for, on both sides. But like, yeah, 
nine to what twelve hours worth of travel to stay in a in a hotel that doesn't represent the land that you're in. Oh yeah. So like you really yeah. don't get a cultural experience. You just show up for a conference and you leave, which is exactly what you did. Yeah. So definitely having time but to it, make it, that. It a, could have been in Dallas. Exactly. It and it would have felt have exactly the same. You know, like, I mean, there would have been fewer British people. But uh, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah. So if we could turn the trip into something more next time just to make the most of it. Absolutely. I've seen other creators that are still there that are mm -hmm. on, like, vacation. Like, Peter Brown was, yeah. like, taking pictures in London and things. And so it's it's good to, like, take advantage of that time. Mm-hmm. But having the time to be able to take advantage of it, yeah, it's a, it's a weird trade-off. It's worthwhile though. Like the whatever, obviously, if the financial part of it is not an issue, taking off, like being less productive for an extra week to have that kind of experience to go somewhere totally new with somebody you care about is absolutely worth it. Yeah, like whatever. Whatever work you're not doing at home, because that's something I struggle with, is, you know, if I'm somewhere, I'm not here. And so I that's a game I have to play with myself against everything that I choose to do, every place that I choose to go is like, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing the work that's making the money that's causing the thing to exist and, all, you know, all that type of stuff, like we talked about before. And um, it, going over – it's like going out west would be really cool, like we talked about. That'd be an interesting vacation. That would be a lot of fun. That would be a good thing to do. Going abroad, and I mean, you could speak to this more than I could, going to experience an entirely different thing seems more valuable than that. And it's yep. absolutely worth the cost of a lack of productivity or a lack of accomplishment at home or whatever you know that the thing is. Those are so, core memories. Yeah. For especially sure. if you're able to take – like we talked about going to Europe internally in our family – and we want to take my oldest son, who was born in Belgium. So, like, we want to take him back and, and go to places. And he's a huge, like, like uh, Egyptian history and, like, uh, Greek and Roman mythology. He's super into that stuff. So he wants to go to the British Museum. And he asked me again for his birthday if he could go to the British Museum. I'm like, well, not this one because that's, you know, a buttload of money. But one day we want to take him back to, like, the motherland and so he can see all of that stuff and he talks about this mythology and I was like well the area that you were born has its own like lure mm. and so you don't have to go that far from you know where we want to take you but just to get him to experience something that he has never seen or done before uh, in a culture that is completely foreign in a yeah. location in a setting and uh, around strangers like it it builds your character in a way that you don't really realize that you needed. Because hmm. in the States, like in the path to be successful, you do really good in school. You go to college. You don't go to college. You get your job. And, you know, maybe you go to Gatlinburg or you go to Disney <laughs> or the Grand Canyon. And those are like your vacation points. But like those seem like destination points. To remember when we lived in Belgium, it was you can drive like a half an hour that way. And go to a thing that's written about in it. You probably wrote a term paper about in your history class. Mm -hmm. That's just like over there. And everybody drives around it. And the, the things that I don't want to say other people take for granted, but like they're used to seeing are these huge like you win a Price is Right showcase to go see that thing type trip. And so just by going there and getting out of a tourist line, I was talking to some new friends that we met recently. And uh, he was in the army. And we were talking about being foodies or whatever. And I was like, well, I didn't really care so much about, you know, different kind of food or fancy food until I went to Europe. And I was mad that I was with the, like, honky American people that I was with. I mm. found them very embarrassing. Mm. And so when the group of people I was with, with their, like, T-shirts tucked in and their <laughs> loud noises, I would dip away from them when I would be in a different country. And I would set out with the goal of getting lost. I was like, I kind of have an idea of where my hotel is. But I'm just going to go, like, uh, that way. Yeah. And I would find something. And awesomeness would present itself. And because this, like, if you were to go to Italy or go to wherever, the, the fact that, like, if we were to walk out of this building and walk maybe downtown, those buildings are probably there in the early 1900s, maybe late 1800s, depending mm -hmm. on where you're going. There's an architectural style. But, like, you, in the stumbling down a crooked cobblestone road, there's this entire place, and its history has existed 
twice as long as the country yeah. that I'm standing in. Right. And like that alone is is something to marvel at when it's just everybody else accepts it as like the street. Yeah. And going into a, a pub or into a bar in the States, it's like, you know, people are there to, you know, be rowdy or watch TV or have some kind of celebration. And it's different. I remember I stumbled into this bar when we were in Italy. We were near Pisa, actually. And there was like a soccer game. And the whole town was in this bar. Hmm. It was standing room only. Little kids, old ladies, everybody was in this bar watching this soccer game. Because I, I commented while we were walking around, like it was at night. And I was like, this place is dead. Like, yeah. There's nothing going on. <laughs> and I was like, I get like the siesta time in Spain and in Italy. I'm like, nighttime didn't really have that. And everybody was at this one place. That's funny. And we were welcomed in and we were given a drink hmm. and we were chanting some chant I did not understand. And it was just me in this bar with like the entire town. Hmm. I was like, this is dope. Yeah. And the same thing in England happened. Like I had this guy explain to me. Uh, rugby in Leeds because I got away from the crowd. And so while I think walking tours are cool, I took a walking tour of Berlin, which I thought was neat. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then as soon as the walking tour was over, I like went the opposite direction as everybody, the rest of the people that I was with. And you got to discover cool things. Yeah. And it's a lot harder, I think, in the States to discover cool things because stuff is either so much more spread out or it's so new that the cool thing might have been there a long time ago, and now it's like a an Applebee's to go to where yeah. the old stuff is still there just around the corner. Yeah. So any chance – like I, I really miss traveling. I know Megan came on and Megan traveled professionally, and I remember she talked about like it was really nice to, to kind of settle down and not have to travel so much. And like I get that as a family man. I understand that. But there's the part of me that like I really miss being able to get on a plane and just go. And I would get to go to cool places. I miss getting on a plane, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, like when you're like, oh, man, I don't want to travel to a place. I was like, I want to go to the airport. And I love the airport. Mm. I want to go to the places. And, of course, I want to take my wife and I want to take some of my family in small doses, depending on where it is. But, like, it's, it's a thing that I didn't know I needed as much in my life mm. now that we haven't traveled as much. Right. So we need to make it a, a larger priority to go to places that are slightly yeah. not uncomfortable, but, like, yeah. Foreign. Like we talk about going back to Belgium. Like I've already been there. Right. Like I want to go someplace new. Well, so a couple of years ago when we were when we Jenny and I spent the week in England uh, before going to Maker Central. So we were around London for about a week, went to Maker Central and then to Italy for a few days. And we st- in England we stayed pretty far out of London, uh, in this little Airbnb. It's a really cool little place. Oh, it was really cute. I remember the picture. Yeah, this lady's backyard. She just had like a cottage house and we were in there and it was really close to a train station. So we would – It was and it was in like a little neighborhood. I mean there wasn't mm-hmm. anything out there. It was a park. And every morning we would just get on the train and ride into London and then just randomly get off at a stop. We didn't have any plan. Yeah. And so this weekend somebody was talking about this uh, natural history museum that's in London. Yep. And we didn't see it. And they were like, how did you go to London for a week and not see that museum? And I'm like <laughs> – we didn't go to any museums. We went to the portrait gallery okay. one day because we were doing other stuff. Like we were doing something with Brady Heron. Yeah. And we finished what we were working on with him in Trafalgar Square. And it's right there. Right. So we just walked up the steps. But the rest of the time, we didn't go see stuff really unless we stumbled across it. We just walked around. And that worked for me mm-hmm. because it was in English. <laughs> yeah. And we could wander and I didn't have to worry about like, I might get lost and get in a place where I don't know how to get out of and not know how to ask somebody how to get out of or whatever. And so I would love to do that same kind of thing in Italy or in Paris or, you know, I don't know, somewhere, anywhere else. But the language barrier is like a a legitimate thing. And I know there's a lot of English around, but I don't want to make the assumption that people would speak English just because I need them to. So, you know, wandering like that would be cool in other places, but... Um, I think that's probably a big motivating factor of learning Italian is so that I have a place that I can at least get by yeah. without English, you know, because I would like to do that. Um, I found that it was a lot more rare uh, that I was unable to communicate with people. And like I only spoke French. I didn't speak Italian. We had this guy that was our flight surgeon, spoke Italian. A couple of people spoke Germany because they had been stationed in Germany. But – 
by myself, I would rely on my French and a lot of the uh, like Latin-based languages. There were some similarities. Yeah, true. And I could kind of understand what I was what I was doing. Uh, the learning how to use public transportation, I think, was the biggest lifesaver. As a mm. public transportation is so easy to use across Europe that I knew where I was. Uh, I knew what was past me on the line because most of them are like, it's headed toward the farthest location on this line. So I would try to figure out the extremes on, on the train line that I was on. I would look at the big train, um, like the time schedule. When's the latest train going to leave toward that direction? So if I was meandering or if I was lost, I knew when the last one, I didn't want to get stranded. Yeah. Uh, I would have the name of the hotel. But I mean, if you're staying at Airbnb, it's a lot harder. But, I mean, maybe write down the address and put it in, in like an Uber or something. But I would have to write down the name of my hotel and the room number on my key because I would get lost even in the mm. hotel that I was in. I never knew what room <laughs> yeah. number I was in. But that was the thing that I did. Like, it is – I would get in trouble. Like, I would get army in trouble. You get a counseling. You get this piece of paper that's like you did mm. bad formally and you're going to get hollered at by all your bosses. And I got counseled a couple times because it was like a security risk. Because at the time, oh. while we were in, in Europe, um, this guy who was in the Air Force was riding on this very American-looking blue school bus, these, like, bluebird buses mm-hmm. that they had in Germany. And he was in, like, Frankfurt or something, going to the airport. And, like, the U.S. military bus drove him there, and this guy, like, shot and killed him. Very Ooh. terrible. Gosh. And so they're like, oh, man, they're targeting Americans, especially American soldiers, so, like – don't go anywhere by yourself because you could be a threat. And I'm like, well, I beg to differ that I am a larger target in this group of Oklahoma honkies that I'm walking around with that are very loud asking for free refills with their tucked in T-shirts and their baseball caps. Hmm. So I think you guys are a much larger target than I am. And so that was my personal justification to just sneak off and go do whatever (laughs) I wanted to do. But, yeah, that was usually my thing is figure out public transportation, um, cab drivers – and the more metropolitan areas are are usually more more apt to like locate hotels, especially for foreigners. Hmm. So like those things, I would rely on, and then I, I would just go walk. And I remember I was in Prague, and I should have been like I should still be in Prague. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huh. We stayed at this hotel that was near the American embassy, and it looked like a castle. I remember I took pictures of it and I sent it to a picture to my mom and my wife, no, to my wife saying I shouldn't be able to touch anything in this room because it looked like a princess room. And I remember we got out and we just like walked toward uh, like the Millennium Clock and the uh, like medieval kind of bridge and stuff. We just walked like towards the center of town and it was me and our flight surgeon and we ended up in this bar accidentally. It was like a Harley Davidson themed bar and I don't know how we ended up in there and they were serving absinthe. Mm. Oh, I've heard this right. <laughs> and it was the guy was like, this is like legit absence, not like this, the silly stuff you hear about. And I remember turning to my flight surgeon. I had like, I had flying duties. I was a crew member. I turned to the flight surgeon. I'm like, am I allowed to have absence? Like, I'm not allowed to have certain over-the-counter medications without telling somebody or I could be removed temporarily from flight stage. And I remember looking at him and I'm like, am I allowed to drink absence? He goes, I have no idea, but I kind of want to try it. <laughs> I was like, well, okay, let's do this. And, you know, there were no green monsters. It tastes like black licorice, just like most alcohol. Mm. And uh, it was very effective. Very effective. With not a lot of it, it was very effective. And Mm. I remember leaving that bar and having no idea where I was. I got solicited, like, I got offered drugs many times. I remember that. And then I was asleep. (laughs) I don't remember how I got back to where I was. Oh, really? Yeah. And so, like, my whole, like, okay, let's do this. If you're going to be a security risk, let's follow these basic responsible rules. <laughs> Number one. Yeah. Throwing Drink out the absinthe. <laughs> Apparently, absinthe erases all of those things. That's funny. Uh, well, glad, I'm glad you made it back. I made it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but traveling in Europe is so much fun. Don't be afraid of public transportation if, if you're listening and it seems foreign because we don't have that in the States. Like, it's kind of a shame that we don't have that in the States. Or if you do, it's just kind of dumpy or it's yeah. frowned upon. Yeah. Like, it's super easy and nice and convenient and you don't have to walk anywhere. Did I tell you the story about the riding the train in uh, Italy no. with the what I think were terrorists? 
No. So <laughs> we we were we were in I don't remember the name of the town. We went to to Venice and then Verona and then we were at an Air Force base. Our friends were stationed at the Air Force base that's in that area. I don't remember. Anyway, so we had to take a train from there through Milan to Alasio, which is mm-hmm. where uh, Jocko lives. And so it was about a three-hour train ride, something like that, and kind of along the coast. It's yeah. beautiful, mm-hmm. like ridiculous beautiful. I used to fly into to Genoa all the time. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah right down the Super nice. And, right um, on the Mediterranean. Really pretty. So we we bought the tickets. They helped us buy the tickets. And so, you know, it was just like pretty straightforward, but still an unknown, a new thing. Yep. And it's the two of us. And so we're good. Like, whatever. We get lost as long as, you know, we're safe. No big deal. So we get on this train and nobody will speak English to us at all, the people that work on the train. Yep. And we couldn't find anybody for a long time. And so I'm holding this ticket and I walk on the train. There's no instructions about where to sit, where the – there's no seats. There's no I, – I don't know. And there's very few people on the train. So we just get on and walk back and sit down. I'm waiting for somebody to come through because I just want to make sure that we're going the right way and have the right ticket and all this stuff. Train takes off. I'm like, oh, okay. I guess just we're going that way, whatever that way is. And then this group of guys walk through – our car in one door through into the next car and they're all on cell phones speaking in all different languages. Hmm. They're together, but there were, I mean, distinctly different languages happening. Yeah. So they walk through the car and I'm like, oh, that was weird. Cool. And then they come back. And so it's the two of us and them in this train car. They all have a duffel bag. They're all on cell phones talking in different languages, and one guy is the lookout. And so he's peeking around, looking through the door, looking for the conductor to come through or the ticket person or whatever. He's peeking and goes back, and he's always on the phone. He goes back like this and just constantly looking, and both doors on each end of the thing. And then eventually he hangs up and pulls out a different cell phone from his pocket, the other pocket, puts the other one back in his pocket and starts speaking in a different language (laughs) to somebody else. (laughs) And then they switch and somebody else is then the lookout. And they, (laughs) it was just so weird. Hmm. And then this one guy, you could tell he was like either the dad or he was in charge. I don't know. One of the, he was, he was top tier. The senior stranger. Yeah. And that guy had at least four cell phones. At least he was switching them out the whole time. All different languages. He was very upset about something. They kept pulling down these bags, and I'm like, oh, this is it. Like, we're about to go right here. Whatever's in that bag is going to kill us all. They would pull down a bag and, like, unzip it, like, yeah, and then, like, rumble around in it and zip it back up and put it back on the shelf. I'm like, oh, I just want to get off this train. (laughs) And so the whole time I'm waiting for something to happen with them, trying to figure out how I would possibly defend us if I needed to against these people if there were something about to happen. I'm also worried about whether we're on the right train in the first place. Yeah. And the person has still not come through about the, you know. Stamping your tickets. Yeah, stamping the tickets. And so, and we're also trying to look out the window and enjoy like this beautiful. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. So it was, and, and they were only in our car for probably 40 minutes or something because eventually they like saw him coming and took off back the way they came yeah. further down the train. And so then he came in and we sh- we held up our tickets and he kind of just like looked at us and just like waved us off and like walked past us. I'm like, okay, I guess, I guess we're okay. <laughs> but it was, it was like incredibly stressful just oh, not yeah. having any idea what was going on. Yep. And it probably was nothing. They were probably just didn't have tickets and were trying to just yeah. get a free ride and everything. But in the moment, I was just like, man, I don't know what's going on. And I don't want to make a move. I don't want to do yep. the wrong thing. And I don't, you know, it was it was very strange. Other than that, it was a really nice train ride. Train was nice. Really pretty outside. And going past all of these super old Italian farmhouses and stuff yeah. that were completely empty. Just like we went through an entire town. I just spit in the microphone, sorry. We went through an entire town, and it looks like nobody lived there. At all. 
not through the town, like next yeah. to the town. Uh, so I don't know if there's just like a surplus of like empty country housing out there or what. But Maybe there were there were a lot of just empty homes. So anyway, how long have we been talking? Hour five. Whoa, that's a long time. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Uh, Megan had some pros and cons, but we'll save those for next time. Yeah, we'll do it next time. We have lots more DeLorean to build. Yeah, we do. Um, bag nine of, I don't remember how many. 3,000. Mm. I want to thank the Maker Alliance. I saw several Maker Alliance, not several, like four Maker Alliance members at Maker Central. Cool. Yeah, it was really awesome. Um, saw Sean, Sean in the Shed. I've yeah. seen, I've met him before, hung out with him. But uh, a couple of the other people, it was the first time I'd ever met him. A couple had been there before. Anyway, it was great to see them. Great to talk to them. Big thanks to everybody over the Maker Alliance that supports I Like to Make Stuff and all the different things that we're into. Um, they get discount codes from us, early videos, all that type of stuff. But the big thing is the community. We have a Discord server. They spend a huge amount of time hanging out and talking over there. Yeah. And it's very, very cool. Yep. Uh, they are putting together their own get-together summer camp. Ordeal. That's, it's a big, big summer camp deal. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Um, it's an awesome group of people. We're really grateful for them. And if you want to check out what all goes into that, go to I like to make slash join. Go check it out. Um, yeah, where can people find you on the internet? At Josh underscore make stuff. And you can find him and me and everybody else, all of us at I like to make stuff on all the stuff. And I think that's it. You got anything else? No. Cool. Welcome back, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.